This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Donald takes the snap. Looks left under pressure. And welcome back to another episode of the Cool Your Jets podcast. We're your host, Ben Blessington and Michael Nania. We have a special co-host today, Robbie Sabo, the co-owner of Jets X Factory. He's joining us for the first time on the Cool Your Jets podcast. Uh, Robbie, how are you doing, man? It's been a crazy last few months, but you and Michael have started one of the best, if probably the best Jets uh, website out there. Um, so glad to have you on, but how are you doing, man? Uh, good. How are you guys doing? Um, I'm honored to be on this podcast. We were just talking about it. Could be the biggest Jets podcast out there. <laughs> you two, you two fellas are phenomenal. So thanks for having me on. I think the one that you guys did with with Blue it might might have topped this one. I will say, Michael and I were talking about this. Whenever you speak, you're you're a very good speaker because you pause, you speak slowly. When people are listening, very you, they, they listen. But when I, when I talk sometimes and I listen to it back, I mean, I spit like 200 words out in a minute. I'm like, nobody understood what I was saying. No, so I'm going to try to. It, the grass is always greener on the other side <laughs> because that, that's the same attitude I have. I'm like, why do I talk so slow? What the hell is wrong with me? And then I hear you and, uh, you know, it's, it's envy. So don't, don't think, think <laughs> like that. It's always, grass is always greener on the other side. Okay. I, I've been trying to channel my, my inner Robbie say over the last few and like, just slow down, take a breath. Uh, you know, I notice I also say like, you know, and uh, you know, I'm just, Oh yeah. Uh, you just said it right there. I know. It's, it's literally, it's, it's like, it, it, I, it's pathological. I can't get rid of it. But. You'll get 30 uhs out of me today. Yeah. Okay. You. That's good. That's fine. It's, it's how people actually speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, really quick plugs here. You can follow us at CYJ pod on Twitter. We have had three mailbag episodes in the last week. We also just released uh, just kind of a quick update on Mosley opting out and, and Brian, which is being cut that got out today. Uh, this Adam Gase podcast will be up probably Saturday morning and then part two will be up on Sunday and then part three on Monday. So three days in a row of our Adam Gase deep dive. Quick reminder, you can follow along with the video component of this podcast on the Jets X Factory YouTube channel, or you could just listen to the audio-only version on our iTunes or Spotify feeds. Um, so let's just hop right into it. So the plan for this is we've, we've done kind of deep dives on Le'Veon Bell. We did one on Sam Darnold. This podcast, we want to talk about Adam Gase because he's obviously a, a very contentious man uh, for New York Jets fandom. Plenty of New York Jets fans want him fired after this year. In fact, they're hoping for any way that Sam Darnold can succeed while Adam Gase gets fired. It seems kind of hard considering the two are basically tied at the hip at this point. Um, but we figured, you know, let's, let's look at Adam Gase's offense from an objective standpoint, kind of see what are the, the benefits of Adam Gase's offense, the, the negatives, how much has he been hindered by a young quarterback, an injured quarterback, a bad offensive line, um, just kind of getting the overall sense of Adam Gase uh, heading into 2020 
because obviously he knows that this is it for him, that if he does not perform this year, he will most likely get the ax. Before we hop into the film, Robbie, uh, as the special coach, I'll be throwing it to you a lot early. Um, how would you describe Adam Gase as a head coach and offensive coordinator? Before we look at the, the, the film, what is your opinion on him? Because as I just mentioned, plenty of Jets fans have uh, you know, a variety of opinions, but most of them seem to be negative. Um, you know, I'm just curious, as you as a film guy, you've watched a lot of his offense uh, and you know more than, than most people. What, what are your thoughts on Adam Gase as a head coach and then him as an offensive coordinator? Well, it's like in today's world, you can't have a nuanced opinion. It, it either has to be hate or love 100%. And so if you're nuanced, you're called an apologist or, you know, you're, you're pretty much called an apologist, even if you say, well, you got to give him time. I think it's this simple. It's tough to gauge a play caller if the trenches aren't getting it done first. I mean, people try to make it rocket science. This offensive line was, what, 31st in the league last year, football outsiders, adjusted line yards, uh, 32nd the year prior to Gase. Is that Gase's fault? I, I mean, it's tough to gauge him fully. Um, so I'm kind of nuanced. I think some of his concepts are solid, like Blewett. Blewett does a good job describing it. I think, though, his head coaching ability is what should be questioned. Is he a leader? Is he a great communicator? All that stuff. In terms of offensive schemes, it's a zone running scheme. He'll mix in some uh, gap principles. And I think he did that a lot. We can't, I was talking to Nanny the other day. I wanted to try to find the numbers, how many counters, how many gap principle runs he used with Le'Veon last year. I felt like he did more than fans thought to try to do what Le'Veon likes best, which is longer developing plays. Um, but, uh, you know, it's a short passing to death, three-step drop zone running scheme pretty much. And, you know, it's not much different from the rest of the NFL. He, he, where he gets into trouble, and Nanny has talked about this too, is where he outthinks himself. He outsmarts himself, and he tries to guess what the other guy's going to do on the other side of the ball, and then he screws himself. But besides that, I think uh, he does some good things. Yeah, Michael, kind of your thoughts on this before we hop into the film. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with everything Robbie said. I think on the field, you know, it's not that he's been fantastic so far, but there's just – it's too hard to judge with the, with the play on the offensive line last year. And, and even when you look at it, and we'll see some examples when we do go through this, but there's so many plays where there's just no way even the most genius offensive – play caller is going to be able to escape uh, some of the holes that the offensive line dug them into. So from that standpoint, it is hard to judge him. But at the same time, there were still a lot of things he could have done better, especially um, just from, as, as you said, Robbie, just outsmarting himself sometimes doing things that uh, trying to be a step ahead of the opponent instead of just doing what makes sense for the situation and the team he's coaching, just their strengths and weaknesses. So as a play caller, there's some to like or that we will go through, but also some things he can clean up. Uh, but it's really the things that we can't see too clearly where the question marks are, the communication, the leadership, things like that. And, you know, from our perspective, it doesn't look promising from, you know, what we see in the press conferences, the things we hear uh, from players both in Miami and with the Jets, uh, things that have been said publicly about him, Jamal being the most recent uh, so, you know, that's where the biggest question mark comes, I think. But at the same time, there have been players who have had his back, like Demarius Thomas, like Le'Veon Bell, uh, who have said positive things about him. So it's that that's the hardest thing for us to judge because, you know, we can look at the film, but we can't be in the locker room and really understand 
that impact. But I think that is where the question mark is. But in terms of on the field and what he's doing as a play caller, I think there is legitimate upside if they can get this offensive line playing at an adequate level. But at the same time, it's not a guarantee, and there are things that he does need to clean up. Yeah, I also wonder what the public perception of Gase would be if there wasn't 100,000 uh, opening press conference memes with his eyes. Uh, I think he just kind of got <laughs> off onto the wrong foot uh, with, with that opening press conference. But yeah, a lot of stuff you guys touched on that we're going to touch on uh, in this podcast when you're talking about his tendencies uh, and the uh, poor offensive line play. Uh, and specifically something I'm really excited about is Sam Darnold having another year in this system because I just think that he's so much better when he can just play and not have to think. Um, so, Robbie, let's go ahead and break this down. This is the really crucial drive against Baltimore, and I was trying to find what's, what's one of Gase's best drives of the year, and obviously there's a lot of opening drives that we could look at. We're going to talk about those in a second. But I, I thought that this was a really crucial drive. It was prime time, pretty much on the cusp of being blown out. You're down 14 nothing. I mean, ultimately they did get blown out, but – down 14 nothing. The offense hadn't really done much until this point. They got a field goal blocked, I guess. But this is a really crucial drive, and this was the drive that Gase came up with that wasn't an opening drive. So I kind of wanted to run through some plays. Um, if there's anything that you want to say while you're breaking it down, I, I'll, I'll stop it. You'll have to bear with me while I jump around the video trying to get to it. Uh, if there's nothing that jumps out to you or Michael or myself in particular, we'll just run through it. But I think like the first play of this drive, I believe, is a run play. That's why we're in this angle. Um, but yeah, you talked a lot about the, the types of runs that, that Adam Gase likes to use. Uh, and it's why he likes offense, athletic offensive linemen. And, and you see it here with, with, he likes a lot of poles and this time it was Daniel Brown, the tight end. Yeah. That's a, uh, go through it one more time. Split zone off the, right off the bat. Let's run it through. Yeah. I mean, this is the stuff that Le'Veon excels in the, the split zone zone scheme, kind of a mid to inside zone. Um, and that's one of the things I don't know how great a runner Le'Veon is outside the tackles. I mean, I'm, I don't think he's bad by any stretch, but I don't know if it could have worked because of this offensive line. Um, right. but yeah, this is just, this is the play. I would say they ran the most either a mid or inside split zone where that tight end does that wham action to the other side and, and the line, uh, runs a zone concept. This, if, if you track the runs, this was their top. I would say they ran this too much, to be honest. And that's probably a knock on Gase. Yeah, I'm wondering how much different this one might, might look next year if 68 is big number 77, Mackay right. Becton. If he could make a big block right here, that might open some things and, up. And look at the line on this play. They completely move everybody. Um, the, you know, the three technique on our right side, they blow everyone off the line just completely move him two, three yards. Look at the space he has. That's, that's a rarity. That is a complete rarity. And that's not Adam Gase genius. That's just great offensive line play. Something the Jets fans uh, certainly lacked yeah. seeing last and, year. And this pickup too is like what they really lacked. This is not sure exactly what this is. looks like five or six yards, but to get those chunk gains on first down is so important Huge. to set yourself up for, you know, favorable second and third down situations. You can do whatever you want once you get into that situation. But if he gets stuffed on this play and goes nowhere, that's when the Jets ran into a lot of problems throughout and the, the other season. Thing is, and the other thing is, look at the strong safety top right who's at Weddle. He's not in the box. Yeah. Uh, Earl Thomas, top left. You know, they're tinkering between a two deep. Weddle's pro it's probably more of a, I'd call it a robber. So giving, and it's funny, Rich Savini asked this right off the bat last summer at one of the training camp practices, because this was an issue with Jeremy Bates. He didn't allow Darnold to audible at all during 
his rookie season, hardly ever. See, they just call the play, go up, and call and and snap it. Samini asked him right away, "Will you allow your young quarterback to audible?" He's like, "Yes, I will. I'll I'll do it. That's the fun." Interestingly, after he got the mono, we didn't really see it much um, until later in the season. Um, so allowing him to do that, it, Peyton Manning under Gase gives the offense such an advantage when looking at the box, when looking at if there's seven guys in the box, eight guys in the box, six in the box, it's huge. It's, it's really just a numbers game. And here the offensive line pushes them back and no safety in the box means you could run it. Yeah. I mean, when football, when I, the way I think of it is pretty much just human chess. And when you have a guy at the line who can look at what the defense is running and try to find the antidote for it, instead of just coming up and blindly running something like you're picking a play in Madden, uh, mm-hmm. that obviously gives you a, you a huge boost. Uh, on second down, we're going to go with this. We'll stick with the same camera angle. Different formation. I believe they stick with Le'Veon Bell on the ground here. Yeah, counter run, which yep. you were just talking about a little bit, and I'll let you break these down. Yeah, I mean, uh, again, no safety in the box, counter. Uh, Wesco does a pretty good job. Is that yep. Wesco? Yeah, yep. Wesco. Their de facto fullback. Uh, 77. Who was 77 last year? Compton? Compton, Compton. Yeah. Compton. Yeah. Compton does a pretty good job there in the, in the inside. So again, it's not Adam Gase genius, but you know, already we've seen, we've seen his own scheme. We've seen a counter. So we've seen 50, 50 in terms of the different types of runs. Um, and these are the plays the inside zone split. Of course, Le'Veon could run out of his own scheme, but these are the plays, the longer developing where Le'Veon could set his uh, blockers up or what he really loves. Yeah, we'll just keep sticking through it. Michael uh, or Robbie, if you guys have anything to say on any of these plays, just let me know. I'll stop it, and uh, we'll just break it down. I think Wesco is another good block here. It's not this play, but we saw in the last one he had a great block. He had at least five really good blocks in this game. It it was one – well, easily his best game of the season, but down the stretch he had uh, a lot more positive blocks in the run game than he did in the in the first half of the season. So that was huge, too. And, and obviously, it didn't rescue the whole run game. It still struggled because the offensive line didn't get much better. But Wesco took a big step up in the second half, and, and that's going to be big next year because the blocking from Griffin and Daniel Brown was not good at all throughout last season. So to have Wesco playing better is going to be huge. Do they have a – extra tackle in on this play and this is this is a first yes. down. yeah yes this is first down that's mcdermott who's going to be the swing okay. tackle and they got so, wesco I mean, and this is a situation too where coaches are forced into this situation when the o-line is not good and the running game is league worst you're the only way to fully pull off a great play action is do something like this put a put a six tackle in uh pretty much two tights on one side and go with a two-man rep and take a shot that way. Uh, other than that, that's the best way to maximize your, your play action chances. And again, you're starting behind the eight ball in that regard, but that's what you have to deal with here. Darnold carries it out solidly. Well, no better than he normally does. I would say um, he still has a lot of work in the play action game to go, but uh, good job here. It looks like a two man route max protect good uh, stem and then dig from Vincent Smith and uh, good throw. And there's he one ta- thing here that's really common. Jonathan Harrison yeah. getting <laughs> destroyed. Alex he- Lewis bails him out a little bit, oh, yeah. but that's Let a great see. reaction by Darnold. As soon as he pulls out that handoff, oh, he's got to yeah. dodge it. I, how did I miss Harrison? Harrison I was about just- to... I- 
I was about to say that, you know, if, if Jets fans want to be excited about the improved offensive line, look no further than Connor McGovern filling in for Jonathan Harrison. Because yeah. if you watch a game pass or any sort of NFL film, you'll just see Jonathan Harrison get blown up, you know, <laughs> at least I mean, once a series. He, he's supposed to be standing up. How does he get destroyed like this over the top? I mean, I don't oh, know, he just Lord. falls over. I don't he's even... just balance, he's balanced his feet. You expect that in a run game uh, more so than standing up, but that's strange. Yeah, I believe I believe there's a penalty on this play um, because I, I think this play actually comes back. But you mentioned a good point with Darnold, and it's something that I didn't really think about because when the Jets had Mark Sanchez, he was so great at play action. For all of his right. faults, he was a very good ball. He, he could easily fake defenders out with his play fakes. Darnold kind of, you know, can be lazy at times with his play fakes, and he, he is a bit on this play, but better than, than usual. Right, and I'm sure a lot of it's on Darnold. It has to be. You can't, you know, take it away from – Take it, take it away from his responsibility totally. But when you're getting destroyed and you have to avoid the rush, it's in the back of your head. And you're going to bail on that, on that play action a lot sooner. Yeah, most definitely. This is actually one of my favorite plays of Darnold, even though it gets called back. I just love his reaction in the pocket, and then he just delivers a dime. Keep, on Keeping on his eyes downfield while right. doing it. That's what's so key in executing that. Right. right. So then I believe they get a 10-yard penalty. So, again, Robbie or Michael, uh, if there, you see anything on this play, I think they just give it to Bell on a little two-yard run. But, yeah. again, another pull um, from the offensive line. And it, what is it, first and 20 right now? Yeah. Yeah, first and 20. Baltimore's D is kind of in a we're going to come, we're going to pressure or make you think we're going to pressure you look past defense. So, in that situation, offensive co- offensive play calls were we'll normally say, all right, let's try to get five to eight yards on first down, make it second and 13. They just don't do it here. Yeah, they don't hear. Uh, now we're going to go over to the wide angles, which would be a little easier to see the passes. Uh, this is, yeah, I think it's like second and 18 or something um, at this point. Empty. Uh, Gay spreads them out. Empty. And this is a Jeremy Bates favorite two years ago. Um, is Bell on the field here? Uh, yeah, I think he's the slot receiver. I'll go back to it. Um, so yeah, he's 11, the slot receiver right here. 11 personnel, keep Baltimore and nickel, uh, single high. And he spreads it out. And what does Darnold see here? I mean, you, you want to deliver that a little quicker if you're Darnold, if you give up on it, if you've already given up on everything downfield. So if he gets to him earlier, he could possibly get five, six, you know, five, six more yards. Gets it to him in stride. But I don't know what he's looking at first before that. That's the problem. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm actually uh, – I mean, I think this is a big issue that Darnold faced uh, last year was way too many – second and third and longs after it mainly comes back to the run game. Um, but, you know, it's the fact that he's able to get anything here is, is a positive. But as you said, you know, preferably you'd like to see him throw it now and get him in stride. And he could have potentially picked up the first. Uh, the next play is actually, again, another one of my favorite Darnold plays of the year, um, which is a concept that, I mean, they, they did like to run a lot, which is getting Darnold on the move and hitting Crowder. There's a third and 10, I believe might've been third and nine, but just, yeah, again, another beautiful throw by Darnold. I'll, go back to the pre-snap so you can talk about it looks like um you know baltimore starts high with two but something something's funny right now the quarterback can tell something funny is happening based on the safety closest to us he's creeping down but creeping down on the slot receiver so let it roll a little bit uh five-man rush that slot corner does come so if you're a veteran quarterback you can see that right away unfortunately the pressure gets there so it's, it's a game break from there. It's a scramble drill from there. Uh, but see, if you watch it again, that safety coming down, you could tell that slot corner's coming because the safety's coming down. 
it's tough. I mean, what else can you do? What else can you do but break the pocket and make it a scramble drill? It just shows you that's Darnold's top ability by far. His throw on the run ability, um, make a play when something breaks down, which is a good thing for this this league today. Yeah, this is just another angle of it. And, and Michael and I have, have shown this play a lot because, again, it's just a this game in particular, even though they got blown out, I just thought was arguably Darnold's best game. Um, not necessarily from a box score perspective, but just when you look at this, the difference in talent between the Jets and Baltimore yeah. uh, on the road. It was a, I didn't realize it was a sprint out. I said scramble. Yeah, it's a design sprint out. And then he throws it against the grain. Yeah, it's a tremendous job. And, and we've already seen two plays now where, you know, there's quick pressure and he's been forced, uh, you know, to, to make some movements to avoid the pressure and then throw while under duress. And he's made both of them. And, and these are – he had a lot of throws like that in this game. It was a really tough environment on the road against a great defense, trailing from the very beginning. Uh, and Le'Veon. he had a lot of throws like this. Le'Veon got a little, got a little hammered on this play. Oh, yeah, he just gets blocked by his own man. And then Beecham <laughs> just destroys him. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those things, though, where, where although Darnold faced a ton of pressure in this game, he was able to get out of the pocket. And that's, as Robbie just mentioned, that's what he's, that's what he's best at. There's not many quarterbacks that can deliver that type of throw that consistently. Um, so he's kind of at his best, similar to a, a Big Ben type of quarterback, at his best when things break down. Now, he has to work at going through his progressions a little bit more. But when it breaks down in this type of fashion, when he's just kind of playing backyard football, I think that's when you see Darnold at his best. And he's late on the sprint out too. It feel it looks like. I'll go back to it. Yeah, like, like for a split second he forgets he needs to sprint out, and it's I don't know. It's a little interesting. Um, but yeah, he's and the key with him, like you said, is positives. The key with him too is he could get it done from the pocket as well. That's the key. You don't want a guy. You don't want a guy bailing from the pocket all the time, um, and he's not looking to do that. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, we have definitely topics about this going forward, about his fit in Adam Gase's offense. But, sure, it's something that you'd like to supplement the pocket presence as a QB and not be the entirety. This is their first play uh, in the red zone. Uh, and, you know, he actually saw a game by Le'Veon here. I'll go back uh, so you can talk about it. But Michael and I were just talking in our last episode about the Jets' red zone problems. But Darnold was fairly efficient, outside of his four interceptions, uh, at getting touchdowns in the red zone. Yeah, this is, uh, again, standard uh, mid to outside zone with a fullback in there. Um, who's that, Alex Lewis? Yeah. Let's run through it again. Yeah, he tries to get across. He just can't can't get across, and it just jams him up. Le'Veon pretty much has nowhere else to go. Yeah, again, we have a Le'Veon Bell type of segment in this video that we definitely want to talk about. But how much would you say that Le'Veon Bell struggles? Because his yards per, per attempt were, was quite low this year. I mean, obviously the offensive line was bad. Um, how much would you say is it – was it rust for him? And then how much would you put on, on Adam Gase as a play caller? Obviously we know the offensive line didn't yeah. help matters. but uh, I, I would – I mean, obviously the offensive line. Uh, his rookie year, he, his yards per carry was 3.5 in Pittsburgh. Another thing – we have to really factor in is he he's not a running back. He's one of those rare running backs where you can't just plug and play. He mesh. He needs to understand who his offensive line is because he likes to set up defenders so much play those count and cat and mouse games. So we have to, we'll know this season, but from his rookie year where he wasn't great, 3.5 yards per carry on the ground and then well over four second year, 
Uh, maybe it just takes that long for him. I, I don't know. Um, I don't. I wouldn't call it rust, to be honest. I just think a running back is is the byproduct of his surroundings more so than any other position. Yeah, I think that's that's definitely a good point. Unfortunately for Le'Veon, he's gonna have four new starters in the offensive line. Yes, They're probably gonna be better, but <laughs> right. Um, yeah, and you'll take that trade off, I guess. Yes, and then this play, this is the crucial Crowder drop. Only two plays left in the series. And then, Robbie, if there's anything else you want to add on this play before we get to the beautiful touchdown on the next play. Another Gase concept. He loves the bunch. This is a a wide bunch at the goal line. Um, And it it breaks a a man loose. Terrible Ravens defense. They do not communicate. The corner nearest to us has to – no, I see, I see. The corner nearest to us has to take Crowder. And uh, did he score a touchdown after this? Was it the following play? Yes, yes, it was the next play. That's right. Um, I was in the press box for this one. Joe Douglas was sitting right behind me for this one. I can't remember. There was one play where he went, where he let out a big moan, where he was really upset. I can't remember if this (laughs) was it or not. I I wish I remember. But, yeah, Crowder, I mean, what are you going to do? Can't get on Crowder for this one. But, yeah, this is a typical gaze. Another sprint out. Wide bunch. I'm going Um, back to it. (laughs) I told you. I told you to bear with me. This video is long. There That's we go. hey, don't sweat it. <laughs> there we go. Yep. See, so went right back, right back. Yeah, this is the first one. Jameson Crowder. Yeah. Yeah. My bad. Uh, I think the interesting part on that one is they both follow Jeff Smith, red zone dynamic weapon. Jeff Smith. They both miscommunicate <laughs> and follow him. And then this is looks like a slant flat concept. No. Yep. Corner, flat concept, and again, Darnold's ability. Darnold's I mean, ability and having Crowder coming back as that slot guy who knows what Darnold likes to do out of the pocket will be huge. Herndon too, because Herndon had a year as well. Um, decent job by the O-line. I wouldn't call it good by any stretch. Decent for the Jets, that is. And, uh, you know, Darnold shows what he could do. Yeah, I would say this is probably my favorite play of the year. I mean, a lot of come, came on this drive, obviously, but this throw is Harrison, just... Harrison, again, is the guy who... Yeah. Who the, 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 the tackle who bears down on him really there makes that look pressured. That's Harrison who gives it up. And, and he's to and the play side, too, and he still gives it up. Beach him, too. Oh, no, Beach actually wasn't. gets beat. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Beach him <laughs> gets beat on the, on the backside. Good thing they both are uh, out of jobs this year. Actually, I think, yeah. did Kellen Beecham go to Arizona? Is that where he? Yeah, Arizona. Yeah, I think Arizona. Well, unfortunately, Jonathan Harrison's still on this roster, but hopefully he doesn't have to play any meaningful snaps. All right, so that'll wrap it up for the the drive breakdown. I just kind of wanted to go through an entire Gase drive and kind of see how he calls um, mm-hmm. games because I felt like that was one of his best drives as far as mixing it up with the runs with Le'Veon and the play action. And I think the one thing that I, I took away from watching that drive is positive yards by Le'Veon, specifically in those first few carries, that's what changed the drive. And I think that's what opened up the play action, um, you know, and, and the fact that Sam Darnold was able to bounce back after facing a first and 20 due to that penalty, um, I thought was just a lot of positives I saw in that drive. Um, so now we're, we'll take a break from breaking it down. I'm just going to let a few plays run while we talk about a certain topic. Um, opening drives for Adam Gase. And I think that was something that was a bit peculiar because the Jets have never really, in my memory, been a good opening drive offense. I forget the exact number but they hadn't had an opening drive touchdown yeah, before like this stretch this year it was the the falcons game in 2017 which right I think, which i think was week eight so. is that true opening drive touchdown yes That's yeah the first one to, holy cow. so it was like i in some respects i mean gase uh was a bit of a maestro when it came to opening drives i mean they had five in a row and then they had the one against oakland that got called back 
um, they were very good coming out of the gates. And, you know, that's an, it's an important trait. I mean, New England is, is one of the best at it. Robbie, what do you think that points to, the fact that they were so good in, in the opening drives and oftentimes like this Jacksonville game or uh, the Pittsburgh game or whatever were just anemic as an offense? Does that point to, to you know, uh, great preparation and poor adjustments? And just in your opinion, what do you think that is? I've thought about this before. It's impossible to know for sure. For sure, it points to Gase game planning well we know that because everything he's doing as opening drive is based on film it's based on past team history so that's that that we know for sure but what happens the rest of the game is it based on bad adjustments is it based on a lack of talent catching up to them is it based on Darnold not doing the right things pre-snap I don't know because the the first you know drive or two are usually scripted they, they won't, a lot of head coaches won't let the quarterback change things up. And for the most part with the opening drives, that's the case. So hopefully it's not Darnold and it's not Darnold's issues pre-snap. Hopefully it's Gase not adjusting or hopefully, mainly hopefully it's the talent, but I don't know. It, it's a good point you bring up. I don't know how to, what to think about it, to be honest. And it's interesting too, because the Dolphins weren't necessarily great at opening drives uh, when Gase was head coach. They only had four opening drive touchdowns in 2018. So it was, it was kind of a new thing. And, and they also didn't start the year great on opening drives until they had that uh, midseason stretch where they were doing really well with them. So um, like, like you said, Robbie, it's just all it's kind of speculation. We don't know. And, and yeah. what you said about Darnold too, because that's just such a big part of running a successful offense, the calls he's making at the line. And that is the absolute hardest thing for us to evaluate yeah, watching the film. We have, yeah, we have zero idea what he's doing and whether or not it's good or bad. It, it's impossible to know. In some situations, you know for sure. Like I remember a run was, – was I forget the play, but it was clear as day he flipped the play and it worked out to, the, to his right. advantage. I, that, that, play is, that play is actually coming up in a bit. It's, it's the Redskins play where he, where he does the roll action. In fact, I'll just go to it right now and if I can what find was, it. What was, the, what was the play? Was it a play action? Yeah, it was a play action. I think it's, it's coming up right – hold on. It's Actually, it's after those plays. Um, it's coming up. I'm going to just – there it is. Yeah, it's right it's, here. It's, you know, other than these instances where you could tell for sure, it, like right. Dania says, it's impossible to know. Yeah, this is this is the play you're talking about. I oh, mean. he didn't flip it. Yeah, he just he just switched alignment, which makes the play action that much better. Makes the pocket move that much nicer. Yeah, is play action off of a zone, classic zone Shanahan scheme. Um, yeah, it's really impossible to know. And I think Darnold. One of the other things you see that's a negative is he locks onto a guy pre-snap and yes. will <laughs> progress. Right. Um, we we. We definitely saw that when we did our, our film review is that some, especially when it came to Robbie on deep shots, I mean, he would almost always, uh, if there, if he has two, if Damaris Tom is running a, a nine and, and Robbie's running a nine, he's pretty much not even a look if Damaris is, is open. Now who can blame him since he's 80 year old Damaris Thomas running a nine yeah. on one side of the field. Uh, I think the other thing to, to keep in mind about the opening drives and you know, I think maybe this is the best case scenario is that just the repetition and practice. I imagine that if they're going to script and they practice some a lot, uh, throughout the week. And that might help Darnold, especially if he's in a new system. He knows he's run these plays a lot throughout the practice week. He knows exactly where his reads are. If this guy's covered, I can go there. And I think that may he might help him. The fact that he's run these plays a lot throughout the week, he's just ready. His brain is warmed up. He knows kind of, he could be more decisive in his progressions. Whereas, you know, in the third quarter, if you call some play that Darnold hasn't practiced, you know, in a few weeks, 
he's a little bit rustier and going through those progressions. Yeah. Um, so yeah, after this, uh, another thing I wanted to talk about was a gaze tendency, um, which was a deep shot after a big momentum swing. I think this is something that we saw throughout the season. Uh, and after this, this Darnold Pittsburgh play, you'll see one of them. Uh, obviously the 92 yard bomb to Robbie comes to mind. You'll see that um, the flea flicker right here against Oakland. They took a, a quite a few anytime there's a big momentum shift you know a big penalty a turnover a big first down Gase was shooting for the end zone Robbie I mean people don't generally characterize Gase as an aggressive head coach what are your thoughts on Gase as being an aggressive uh, offensive coordinator and and, and head coach yeah I mean I I don't think he is I I don't think he's an aggressive head coach but at the same time the only way he's not is if he's this some he's this genius we don't know he's a genius yet because he's not being aggressive based on his talent, <laughs> you know, I, right. There's no other way to, to wrap your head around it. He's not aggressive unless he's holding back, but here, for example, the Pittsburgh play, I mean, this is a great, great adjustment by him that Robbie Anderson X close, putting him, lining him up that close to the hashes against Pittsburgh's defense was genius because Pittsburgh loves to play that single high safety loves to give you a cover three look, but then Rob with that, free safety make him lurk down and play like a cover two kind of thing with the corners and putting Robbie Anderson close and running the streak with him close is perfect against that look right in the soft spot against that zone so subtleties like that um, really do open up the eyes but in terms of aggression he needs to be more aggressive because this league rewards you for aggression any one-on-one look it favors the offense in this league you can't touch the guy so I would like to see him more aggressive. And, and a big part of that lack of aggressiveness was on second down, he would really often more than most teams run the ball on second and long, which especially with this team did not make a lot of sense with how, you know, how poor they were running the ball No, um, on and second, and, second and 13 and longer, every single distance he ran the ball at least 20% more than the league average. So that just with, if you can run the ball, and you can get yourself into third and short out of second and long, then it makes sense. But with their talent, it did not make a lot of sense to do that. I would like to see what that number would be without Folk, without the Folk games, without those three Folk games. Because yeah. the, a big criticism that is warranted is he gave up during those three games without Darnold. Um, he would run the ball. I mean, against Cleveland, how many times did he run a draw on first and 20? You know, a few times for sure. So um, that's, that's a bad sign where a guy looks like he's going into a hole um, and playing it safe and just giving up and trying to get to the next week when the odds are stacked against him. Yeah, one of the positives, I guess you could say, about his aggressiveness, and you did a, a Sabo session, which is one of my favorite pieces of content on YouTube, uh, was his late game, his late drive against Dallas. And this is just the first play of it. After Dallas made it a bit of a game, I think it was 16 to 21 at this point. Uh, and instead of, you know, doing what a lot of head coaches, and I'll go back a little bit, instead of doing what a lot of head coaches would do, which would be pound the rock, you know, bleed some clock out, Gase does come out and trusting his young quarterback and firing you know, I don't think we really got to see another opportunity kind of like this the rest of the season, but I guess it was a bit encouraging that he was, you know, at, at one point or another this season, a, an aggressive uh, head coach. Right. Getting the ball here, a lot of guys would run it on first down automatically. He trusts the young quarterback to get it done. Uh, it's not a safe play by any means. And uh, that's what you have to do in this league. You're reeling, you're, de- you're up 21-16. I think that was the score, right? At the yeah. time. You know, 
1988, you'd run it here twice. And it's not 1988 anymore. You, you got to throw the ball, even if you're, no matter how much time, not no matter how much time is left, but if there's more than two, three minutes left, you got to get first downs. And that will wrap up part one of our Adam Gase deep dive. You can find us on Twitter at CYJPod, myself at Ben W. Blessington, Michael at Michael underscore Nanny, and then Robbie at Robbie Sabo. You can find this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, whatever. Just look up Cool Your Jets. And then, of course, we're part of JetsXFactor.com, which is the best place to go for Jets content. We're also uploading all of our episodes, including these uh, film sessions on the Jets X Factor YouTube. So make sure you subscribe there. Part two will be up on Sunday morning and then part three up on Monday morning. So three straight days of this Adam Gase deep dive. Um, so, yeah, stay tuned and go Jets. Yes.